This is a post-Christian podcast. We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected. All are heard. All are welcomed. Join us. Welcome to the Sacred Collective. Uh, let's do roll call. I'm Brian. Joshua. Eric. Caleb. Amanda and Ava. Kayleen. And Davey. Welcome, welcome. Tonight we're going to do a dive into community. Kind of formulated some questions to maybe make us stay on base, but you know, our group likes to go off the rails sometimes, so we'll see where we'll see where it takes us. Um, how do you, as a group, how do you find and describe community? Oh, that's your style. I thought you were going to like list yes. off like several questions we're going to no. go to. This is number one. I have mm-hmm. other questions, but... And it doesn't have to necessarily be religious or spiritual, but you just, in your gut, like, what, like, how do you find and describe community to you? A group of people who help each other? Yeah. Maybe? Hmm? That's boilerplate. Yeah. I think, my first thought when you read that question, I think it's just this, that you asked, how do you, how do you find and describe? Like, we could say how do you describe community, that'd be like a, a fine conversation, but I think, especially as an adult... Especially as an adult who's, like, kind of, for me personally, kind of, like, trying to rediscover or discover for the first time or just, like, find rebuilding community is really difficult as an adult. Like, when you're a kid, it's like you've got classmates or you've got, like, other kids you play sports with or, like, when you're in high school, you've got all of... Like that kind of society and culture and community, um, for better or worse, college is great. Then it's like after college, it gets a lot harder to make friends, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, depending on the type of person you are, it can be really difficult and intimidating to try to insert yourself into community like you could find me like oh this is a group of people that I is attractive to me that I would like to be part of but then making that step to like insert yourself into that can be really difficult so I think for me it takes a ton of intentionality and thoughtfulness and also being very self aware to know what you're looking for um, so for me <clears throat> community like this this group sacred collective has been a really important part of my community over the last couple years um and it wasn't something that i was necessarily seeking out Mm -hmm. it was kind of like um josh was like hey come check out this group of people like we're gonna record a podcast podcast and just talk about shit that like you'd probably like and it just kind of like it sums us, good job, good introduction. It sums us up, so thanks, yeah. Josh. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I don't know. I mean, that, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I said. Um, <laughs> but I think, like, probably like most things that end up being really good, is it was kind of just like good luck that I happened to find this group and kind of like get connected, and so. But if I hadn't been, like, aware of who I was and what I needed and, like, what my kind of desires were, I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have been as receptive being like, oh, this is, like, a good 
safe place. This is a good place for growth. This is a good place for like um, bouncing ideas off of each other. So I think like knowing who you are is really important because then it's almost like community can you're just more aware of it when you see it. It's easier because you have people who share you're at the same place in life in a lot of ways like spiritually education wise I mean uh, sometimes what's difficult about actual church nowadays is that the community is really only connected under one thing, you know, one idea, and not many others. So that's why you can have a church that is very politically, you know, not on the same page. So they might not even like to hang out with each other. So if you can find people that also share that same thing, I think that's more of a community, um, a group of people who are you're on the same wavelength with. The things that you do together, that your life's kind of crisscross, and it's it's not hard. See, the hard thing is finding a community that works with your life. You know, where they it can flow between, you know, yourself and then a group of people back and forth, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can relate to uh, Eric's, like, hard-to-find-a-friend kind of thing. Because I, I haven't done this much lately, but usually if I go out to, to a couple bars at night, I will come home with a new best friend at some <laughs> bar. True. But the problem is, like, they'll call me and be like, hey, you want to hang out? And I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I'm, you are. I'm all friended up, man. We had, <laughs> we had a great time last night, but I'm not going, I'm doing anything with you. I bought you, like, five shots. <laughs> I went to the Dakota Jazz Club with a, a group of chefs that I hit it off with this one chef, and we were talking and talking and talking. It was so much fun. We all went home, um, like, away, and he called me at 2 in the morning. He's like, hey, come, come down. And I'm like, No. Like, it's 2 in the morning. I'm going to sleep. Gonna, sleep. Like, what are you doing? Uh. See, that's, that's, like, that's the difference between me and you, Joshua. Because I totally can see you like being like, no. I would be like, oh my gosh, I have to go. <laughs> before, I'll, I'll be mean if I don't. For me, it was like that. Like, before I was married and had a kid, I was like, I don't care if it's 2, 3, 4 in the morning. And now I'm like, I have to get up to, at the ass crack of dawn to go to work. So if it's like 10 o'clock. If it's like after 10 o'clock and someone asks me to go out and do something, I'm like, no. It better be important. Yeah, it, someone better be dying or in a car accident, or else I'm just going to stay home in my pajamas. Mm-hmm. I have now officially hit middle-aged. <laughs> yeah. That's unfortunate. Well, and I so. think one of the reasons why like we started Sacred Collective, why we thought it was important, was I, I knew a lot of us from said university slash seminary that we're part of that we've talked about a lot of us went there had maybe a good education good experience maybe a bad experience whatever but we kind of left and we were like okay now what or maybe not now what but what the hell like i'm confused i don't know what i believe or if i believe in god or anything and we're all on different paths of our life. Some of us are married. Some of us aren't. Some of us have kids. Some of us don't. And part of like having Sacred Collective and like how we even came up with the name was everyone has a sacred voice. Everyone's journey, everyone's story, whether they believe in God or not, is important. And excuse me, we're a collective of people. But and I think what makes our group and a community is important is that there's kind of this commonality of something that brings us together in in our friendships and connectedness it could be beer like we like to drink we we kind of joke that i joke with people at my my ucc church that i'm like oh yeah we do the eucharist at sacred collective they're like oh yeah what do you do i said beer and pizza and they give me this look and they're like well technically that is the eucharist it doesn't really say it It has to be you know whatever so i joke that this is like a spiritual group 
But I said, some of us take God seriously, some of us don't. And I said, that's okay. I said, we just want it to be open for everyone just to kind of ex- express, experience, and, you know. And I think that's like what Josh said, too, and what Eric said. Being in community is hard, especially the older you get. You know, it's very hard. They actually, I think Amanda had said it before, long ago, that when you try to be in community and friendship groups as you get older, it's it's harder. Being friends with someone is harder than actually finding someone, like, as a mate. Yes. It's harder than yeah. that. It um, is true. And, and... Because you have to go with the ups and downs. Like, when you're married, you have to go with the ups and downs. Like, oh, she pissed me off, or he pissed me off, blah, blah, blah. But you have to deal with that in friendships, too. And a lot of times, we, as people, just aren't really good at that. We're like, oh, you screwed me over. Screw you. You know, I'm done with you. Or we're too proud or scared to say anything about it. Because it's, you know, easy to just ignore. Yeah. Well, it kind of goes back to what Eric was saying, that, you know, you think about... You know, when you're a kid, you think about, like, your childhood best friend, and you think of when you first met them, and if you're still consider them a best friend, or even a close friend, or kind of, you know, when that kind of, like, you know, taper off or anything, but when you're in school, especially middle school and high school, and then again in college, you know, where you can kind of, you can choose a little bit, and then, you know, college, you know, pretty much completely choose, like, what kind of classes, what kind of interests and things you have, where... At school, you're surrounded by your friends for how many hours a day. You have classes or sports or extracurricular activities with people that have the same interests. You know, there's a very very high chance that, like, you're all probably kind of in the same spot in life because, you know, you're all, like, high schoolers, you know, like, the same age and everything. And so you have all this stuff in common. But, yeah, it is true that, like, you know, once you – you might have – like a friendship or you might have some kind of like spiritual community that you had, you know, high school, um, college or whatever. And then you get out into like the quote unquote real world. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're just kind of like, well, my life before does all of that, the friends and that spiritual community, does that fit me now? And kind of where do I start? And, you know, it's, it's tough to, you know, to kind of figure out, you know, because like Brian said, of all the people in the room, we're all at different points in our life, but we all have enough things in common to be able to have a group. And sometimes you have your friend groups that like, oh, everyone either doesn't have kids except you or you're doing without kids or everyone's married or not married or depending on your jobs. And it's it's tough, you know, once you become, you know, an actual adult to, you know, find that place because your life is always changing. Yep. And so finding that need to fulfill that kind of community, whether you see it as a spiritual community or just a community where you're not tying like, any of the spirituality to it, but, you know, just like friends, friends that you consider family. And it's it's really tough to find that. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to come tonight was because I knew that we would share, you know, we, we would be like-minded individuals. You know, I wasn't going to come in here and be worried about being, you know, attacked with strange questions or anything like that. I didn't have my guard up when I came in the door meeting Caleb for the first time and all everybody else here. So, uh, yeah, totally get that. It's it's interesting how situational and how proximity determine a lot of our friendships, how they go forward. So, like, I just, there's a couple friends that live you know across the country that I make sure to take special effort to make sure that we still connect. So, one of my best friends lives out in Oregon, and 
like I just texted him today, but we just keep those. We keep trying. And like we don't always like I'll call him, he won't answer, vice versa. You know, situational. But like we'll eventually always get because neither of us ever gives up. And like that's one thing we really appreciate about each other is that we're intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we have to take that effort to do that. Otherwise, that friendship could easily die. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy in college when you live together. Yeah. Or you know, post college when you're in a house together, like me and Josh were. Um, in community, that's like easy community. That's, it's like it, it, it just happens when you when you live together and you're around each other. Community can just happen. Yes, there has to be intentional parts of it, but the more responsible you get in life, you get married, you have kids, it gets much harder to develop something that was that great because you can't ever again. It's got to evolve. Community needs to look different. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the big attractions of church. Especially when you get older, you know, is it's a consistent, weekly, predictable community. And then even when people, you know, lose their faith or question their faith or fall out from the specific, uh, you know, church organization that they were with, they still oftentimes crave that community. Like, I'm involved with some, like, um, atheist groups. Um, there's one in uh, in Kansas City that's really good that I'll plug. It's called Oasis. It's an, it's an, it's an atheist church. But because I, I feel like when people um, when people lose that type of community or that type of consistency, they find themselves craving it once mm-hmm. they lack it, and uh, and so I think that you know I, I'm maybe I'm taking it in a, in a different direction now, but I think that uh, one of the main appeals of of having you know a weekly ritualistic meeting with a group of people is just the fact. That you're engaging with a community, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just that's just something that we crave, I think, as humans. Absolutely. So I don't have a church that I go to currently. Um, I've been, like I, I told you guys earlier, I'm trying to build a community now. I have a newborn son, so I'm trying to figure out what that looks like, what a community looks like with the kid. And um, I'm not really in the place right now with my faith where going to a church is a good option for me. So I've decided just you know use the community people around me that I already have shown at my house. Like for example, I help, I host D and D, so we have oh, a D and D group you that meets. D&D? Oh, excellent! Yeah, yeah, I am the DM of the D and D group. Oh uh, yeah. So are you a player or a DM? Player. Player. What do you play? Pathfinder. As? Pathfinder. Same thing as D and D. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a gunslinger. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, but so my D and D group uh, meets for D and D once a week, and then we meet on Wednesdays just to hang out. And then other people, other people come in as well, and we just uh-huh. have a Wednesday. And Wednesday is just our night to hang out. Uh-huh. You know, there's no plans or anything. We make food together, and we just do it. And I and I started. I had to make that because when I lost the Dasus group that I used to be with Josh, and I was outside of community, and it was just me and my wife. Um, and I love my wife, but I felt so. Like uh, like a huge piece of me was missing, right. you know. Yeah. And so um, I, I realized that I could just be depressed, and I was drinking a lot, or I could start doing something about it and start, you know, finding people to make a new community with. So while doing that, I also realized that my family, because my my wife has a huge family, and I just started inviting her family members over, you know, brothers and sisters, and I started building this new thing. And so far, it's been amazing. So it's um, very interesting that you chose the topic tonight, community, because that's been like my whole life right now, trying to figure out how to do that now. Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we all try to do that. Like, I'm actually part of four communities, technically. Sacred Collective, Revolution, um, my UCC church, and a potential alternative service that I'm going to be doing at my church. 
And I don't think you can ever have too many communities because I think what you were saying, Davey, is just we're, we're trying, like, humans aren't meant to be alone. Correct. It's time that, it's fine that if you're more introverted and you want to be by yourself, but even the most introverted people have to be interacting and being with some people sometimes. And, um, yeah, just trying to find, you know, and kudos to you for, you know, kind of saying, like, I don't, there's nothing wrong with drinking, but it gets to a point sometimes when you go down to a deep dive and you're like, I'm just drunk all the time and I'm, you know, angry or tired or whatever but then you try to you know say i can want to find a community i want to try to find like-minded individuals who i can share life with um and i think that's so important that and that transcends religion that transcends you know gender race all that kind of stuff and i you know i think everyone tries to to do that i'm gonna flip it a little bit i'm gonna pivot i'm gonna pivot um what do we think with uh, what ways do the does the church do community well, and what are ways they fail at it? Oh, I got lots for that second. There you go. <laughs> come at yeah, come I, at I, us. I here. got some for this. Come at us here. Oh, my, I, well, do we want to start on the good or start on the bad? It's up to you, man. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll collect my thoughts. Someone else can. Go okay, first. so yeah, the, the one that <laughs> the one that has more information to tell, do that second. All right. So if you have more good things to say, do that second. But I feel like it's more bad. So do good first. Um, I grew up in the church. My dad was a minister, and uh, as you know, when I was a kid, uh, like the church was packed all the time. You know, it was I was I was a PK. I was at church all the time. We had tons of people showing up. The United States was wealthy, and our church had a lot of money. And slowly over the years, you know, people stopped coming to the church, and the church lost more money. And you know, at this point now, I'm out of high school. And my and I'm playing worship at this church and everything, and we're trying to get people in the door. And my dad's like, "How do we get people in the door?" And I was like, "I honestly don't know. Like, we've been trying everything we can get to get you know people our age in the door, and it just wasn't working anymore." And I found what it was. It was that's not it's not true community at church. That's mm-hmm. what I found, and that's at the same time that I found uh, Dasus and I found Joshua and I found my first intentional community. So I know, I'm pretty sure you guys talk about this all the time, but the way the church fails is because the church is only once a week and it it ends up being a face rather than really who you are. Yeah, there's definitely an expected kind of mask that you have to put on when you enter the door. Um, I I wasn't a PK, but my dad was... A deacon, and I was a worship leader and youth youth group worship yep, leader type did, thing. Did both that? Yeah, and uh, and so there's definitely an expectation when you walk into the door and the greeter says, "How you doing this Sunday, brother?" You have to, you know, you're literally wearing your Sunday best. You turn on all dressed up. You have to turn on that happy Sunday face. Caleb. Doing great, <laughs> doing great. Good to see you. You know, one time I was a teenager, and this was during the the height of my personal. Struggles with anxiety and depression before I was medicated, medicated, or, or, or seen any sort of therapist or anything. And uh, I was walking into Walmart and I saw uh, a deacon from our church, and I was just angry. I was just in a bad mood. I was just sad little emo boy. And he said, "He said, smile, brother. Jesus loves you." And that was the most pissed off I think I've ever been. Well, up to that point. <laughs> wow, you live yeah. an easy life, man. Yeah, right. I think I've seen you more angry. Right, right, right. I, what I should say is there was nothing that he could have said that would have pissed me off more in that moment. Yeah. Because it's like, no, I'm not going to 
put on a facade, you know, but because I'm running into someone who is in a community where where it is expected, if not mandated, that you have a plastic smile on your face at all times. Yeah. You know, and then that's that's a that's a that's a false um, attempt at community. Maybe not a false attempt at community, but it but it's a community that is full of of shallowness. Well, it's order. It's basically the the thing about intentional community is you're dealing with people all the time, so chaos erupts. Yeah. You know, every once in a while, there's problems that erupt. But when you're putting your face on every Sunday, you're trying to live life in a community that's all ordered rather than chaos. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's all ordered. It just it's fake. Yeah. Well, it's also, too, you know, most churches are basically personality cults. So everyone just emulates the pastor and, like, attempts to take on their traits. So, like, you can have a, like, it's almost like this superhuman thing. You know, everyone's trying to be pastor, whatever his name is. That's why there's so much burnout amongst pastors and why well, there's pastors Well, there's cocaine falls. and hookers. Yeah. yeah. Well, and why when pastors fall, so to speak, it's like this big deal. And it's like, well, no. They just weren't allowed to right. be who they were. Who they were, because nobody is allowed to be who they are. Which is yeah. crazy. My dad's really struggling with that. Authentic community. Well, and how is your dad struggling? Like, what's going on? Well, he he lives like a block away from here, by the way. <laughs> True story. Well, you know, he's he's in a situation now where. I don't know, he's just waking up a little bit more to things that the church is doing wrong, and he's, you know, in a church being a pastor, and, you know, he has to say things a certain way when it comes to, like, a lot of things that he no longer believes anymore. Like, my dad doesn't believe in hell. That's not an okay thing to believe in, Uh uh, in any church, really. Um, (laughs) Well, the majority of churches. So... He's like excited to move on to new things. So he's, this is kind of like him peter. I think he's petering out from the service over time. Well, and it's hard when your theology changes over time, but the theology of the congregation that you pastor has not changed. Correct. And so you have to like figure out how to reconcile those two things. And that's one of the really hard things about being in ministry, especially in a pastoral ministry. You have to. <laughs> You have to toe the line in order to get your paycheck. Like exactly, because your I mean, paycheck is, is your livelihood, and your paycheck is based on whatever that church thinks. Right, and it used to be where you'd talk to, uh, you know, you'd go to a church and you would go there because of the pastor's teachings. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the thing. Like you would learn, you know, because the pastor is the one who's doing all the work. He's doing the legwork to read the Bible and you know translate things and listen to other teachers. So you go to church. I, I would hope. Because you want to learn from somebody who knows more than you. But I feel like more and more in this day and age, people don't really want to be told what to believe. They can figure out what they want to believe on their own from all the stuff on their phone, you know? Yeah. All your Bible. So they don't, they don't tr- no one trusts any more, anyone anymore to give them correct information. Like if my dad went up on, in front of the church and gave his entire spiel about how hell doesn't exist, and it made perfect sense, and he had the best job ever, and could convince maybe a thousand people, still 50% are going to boot. Yeah, you know they're either plug their ears to the information, right? Yeah, that's like what happened with, you know, with our dear friend Jay Baker when he became a, when he came out as being uh, LGBTQIA plus affirming, lost his whole staff, lost you know pretty much all of his income. It's terrible, and uh, yeah, it's it's easy for a community to to disintegrate over a singular issue. That they had clung on to without probably having ever examined in the first place, mm-hmm. you know, from their own objective 
kind of uh, what are, what are things that keep a community together you think then I'm sorry that's know. a good question um, yeah. um I don't know I, I, I've been in communities where if someone really really fucks up as long as everyone knows that their heart's in the right place or they just made an awful awful choice and they're not a malicious person you know um trying to do evil or do harm to others but they just made a big mistake that forgiveness and grace is readily available but then again there are performance based communities works based communities doctrinal based communities um I recently did a podcast this will be a little cross promotion Jay and I recently did a podcast um with my dad where my dad and I my dad is very conservative in his Theological and unfortunately some of his political uh, perspectives, especially in comparison to, to where I stand. And he said, you know what? Our heart is in the same place and the doctrinal differences that we have don't matter. And to me, that really resonated because that's something that you so rarely hear. That's amazing. Yeah. You so rarely hear someone say, you know, it's it. take your example. You know, Dave, of, of, of believing in hell or not believing in hell. Mm-hmm. You know, um, saying, "Well, that's just doctrine. That doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that our community has to has to fall apart or has to be fractured." But it would be. Yeah. Yes, but it would be oftentimes. And so, I think that's probably a distinguishing, um, you know, distinguishing characteristic between different types of communities. I think it's easier to do that within with individual friends rather than in a larger community mm-hmm. sense. Like, I don't know, but. I have a friend who's, oh gosh, I don't even know where that came from or how they believe, why they believe what they believe. I know now because I did a whole piece of paper. I did a whole paper on it when I was in seminary because I wanted to understand it. I was like, what the, what is that? I get it now. Doesn't mean I believe it. She's my friend. We can not believe the same thing. I chose to not let that get in the way of our friendship on purpose because regardless of where she is doctrinally or whatever there's certain things that I just can't bring up because then we'll get into a whole discussion and then is this like a political thing no it's actually doctrinal stuff doctrinal stuff okay yeah so what OP yeah yeah my friend one of my friends is a one is Pentecostal and oh boy they yeah the women have to wear skirts and wear long hair and there's all kinds of there the new there, there's lots of stuff there but to them it's their only community too you know for them it's their only community and you know I was a bible major in college when she started this particular denomination I was like what in the world is going yeah. on yeah like what is this and you know it took me a good decade to figure out how to deal with that and how to but throughout that time we maintained our friendship we were open and honest. We talked to each other about what we thought. It just still to this day doesn't make sense to me, but that doesn't mean that I can't love her and her family and be a part of that. Right. And I mean, so, and looking at with community and not even, not even religiously speaking, but you look at, you know, spiritual like denominations yeah. That's that's a community if you think about it. It's, it is. And it's, it's a huge It's like minded people who agree with most likely the same theology. But then, you know, you look at gangs, like street gangs. 
That's a community. Yep. Exactly. I'm watching a TV show called on Netflix. Now this is not my recommendation, but called "I'm a Killer," where they interview people in prison, most of them on death row, and a lot of them were like they had really shitty home lives. Yep. Never really had any, you know, community. Then they became friends with people on the street. And they refer to them as gangs, and like in my head, I'm like, no, that was your community. Because even in gangs, even in these really bad situations, there's still unwritten rules yep. that you go by. And every community, and you know, Caleb and I have even talked about it, you know, and I think some of us, other than just Caleb and I, like Sacred Collective is an like open group to, to accept everyone, but we kind of have unwritten rules in some ways of like, like we accept everyone, but then we're like, don't be a dick. Don't it, seriously. That's like yeah. a big rule. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Don't go on a you know. Don't go on a soapbox. You know. You can disagree with someone, but don't be accusatory. So we don't promote that all the time. But it's kind of these unwritten rules. So even in I think in every community, religious or not, there is a set of maybe spoken rules or unspoken rules. But that that is something that community has. But I think. That I don't, I've never heard of a community that's like, yeah, we're a community and we have no rules. Well, you're talking about PC culture to an extent, a little bit, right? I guess so, I mean, it could be, yeah. I mean, because I'm all about it because I understand that you know that you we, we got to talk certain ways to like respect certain people. Oh, absolutely. And I'm all on board, but a lot of people get you know freaked out about that, and so that's maybe what you're talking about is like to those people though they feel like they can't have a seat here, <clears throat> you know. I was also thinking about. Uh, you were talking about having friends that are really different from you. One of my best friends is theologically very different from me, very conservative, but he also deals with addiction issues. So he's very conservative, but has these issues. But I'm the friend he talks to about it because I'm the only one that's not churchy who doesn't like judge it. For it. Mm-hmm. Sure, you yeah. know it's a, it's bizarre. Yeah. Like you preach forgiveness, and you know, like that we don't look beyond that. And like sins are forgiven, and like we're looking for redemption, but. Not really. Only redemption if it looks like them. Only redemption on their terms. Like, yeah, but this guy's a fuck up, you know? It's like, well, isn't that the point of the community? You're supposed to bring together and lift each other up, not bring together so you can gossip about them later? Yeah. Like, what a piece of shit that guy is. Sometimes I think the secular community actually does that better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's kind of my current experiment. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, I mean, me and that guy try to hang out once a week, and... He talks to me about stuff he doesn't talk about with his churchy friends because they can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Makes him weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting within a community um, when there are expectations of, you know, expectations of beliefs, which to me has now become an absurd concept. Um, expecting someone to believe something because if something doesn't make sense to you, it does not make sense and there's no button you can push to make it yeah. make sense. But when I was. Uh, in the earlier days of my deconstruction, still working as an AV guy at a um, at a Covenant church in the Midwest. I'm not going to say the name of it. It wasn't in Minnesota. But anyway, uh, a Covenant church where I... If, if I were direct and fully honest about where my theology was while I was still employed there... I would have not only been... Uh, I probably would have initially been bombarded by apolo- by apologetics, by reasons I was wrong and things that I needed to consider and, and little little uh, nuggets of wisdom that would have just changed my mind. What do you mean by apologetics? I'm sorry. Uh, just by like, 
Well, well, why do you think there was no literal resurrection? Oh, well, well look in this passage here. This proves this and this and this. You know, or, or uh, explanations and a kind of... Well, defending your faith. De- yeah. De- that's de- what apologetics Well, not, is. not just defense of the faith, but defense of the specific yeah. doctrines. doctrines. Yeah. And um, had I been honest about where I was at at that point in my life, um, I would have been bombarded by that. And then probably... Um, if and when, more likely when that didn't work, I would have been ostracized, you know. And 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 a community that forces you to put on, you know, a, a facade or, or 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 to espouse beliefs that that you really don't resonate with, you know, is that real? I guess it's a community, but it's 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 a it's a fragile, frail community that's that's not really that sustainable. I don't it's think it's a community you're not a part of. Like, but but I wanted so badly. I loved these people, and I loved going to church, and I loved working there. But I didn't want to be honest with my closest friends there because I knew that they would just the conversations would go from "Hey, how was your week, bud?" to uh, you know, uh, "How's your walk with the Lord?" Have you? You know, it, it would become more more uh, of an interrogation than just a casual exchange of you know conversation. Yeah. When I think community, well, I think all of us in this room are at least striving to to be part of a community is whether we fuck up, whether we are doing great in our life is to care about one another, to, to go to, you know, be like, David, how are you doing? And I don't want you to just be like, oh, I'm okay. You know, tell me if you're feeling shitty or feeling down, and that's community. Like, sometimes, you know... One time, you know, Caleb brought this up. Oh, this was a while back, I think last year. You had a really bad, like, something in your throat that you dealt with. Oh, like, yeah, an abscess. Was. Like an abscess. And so, like, you could barely talk, it's and you were out of work for a while, and you were like, dude, I have, like, no food or whatever. And it wasn't, like, you saying, like, hey, buy me food, but, like, a man and I were like, dude, Caleb's part of the Sacred Collective. He's part of our friends group. Like, we just need to get him food. And so we just went through it. I think, Kayleen, you did it too. I don't know if you guys did. Um, we but, did the food show, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, like, we all kind of just pitched together and, and gave him food. And it wasn't because it was like, you know, oh, so sad, too bad. But it was like, no, you're a friend. You're part of this community. We want to take care of one another. And I feel like the church preaches that, like, I'm not saying that capital C, but church, like individual churches, preach that. But most of them just do a, such a shit job at that. It's know? hard. And it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, no, and I'm not yeah. saying it's an easy We're thing to do. We're not attacking. No, well, I'm not attacking at all. Especially on a larger scale of a church, because you might have someone make an announcement of, oh, so-and-so is in the hospital or had surgery, or so-and-so's you know, parent or you know, partner died. And so we have, like, one of those meal train things, like, oh, sign up here, go online and sign up here. When you have a large group of people, everyone always thinks, I don't know if I can really do it right now, but we have, like, 2,000 people in this church, or we have 200 people, so I know someone will, and everyone kind of thinks, I think someone else will do it. So with a big church, you might have more resources, but with a smaller group, whether it's a smaller church um, or or a smaller type of community, you know, like this, is you have other people to kind of hold you accountable because you know if other people are doing these things that need to be done or not. Yeah, right. And also, like, 
we're making this up now. Like our parents didn't do this. We weren't taught this yeah. growing up. We were taught the organized church mm-hmm. every Sunday. And, you know, that's not how it works anymore. We're trying to figure it out. So I wonder, like, now that I have a kid, Lachlan, like, I'm wondering what he's going to be doing 30 years. Because his base level will be what we're doing now. So it'll be innate to them. Like, what's your daughter's name? Ava. Ava. So for Ava, she'll grow up knowing this from the start. Right. So what's that going to look like in 30 years? What's that community going to be? Because we we should probably strive to, like, look at that and then try to go in that direction, right? Well, we have a church, like a home church that we go to, but she sees this every week. Like, what people listening can't see is um, most of the time when you don't hear me on the podcast, it's because Ava needs to go to bed or she wants me to go and play in her room and she's being loud. And, you know, she's a two-year-old, so she's going to be loud. That doesn't really work for a podcast. Right now, she's, you know, on her tablet playing like a coloring game. But she sees, you know, everyone come over. We have a meal together. We have a conversation. And um, she know she's seeing this and learning this as a community. And as she gets older to understand things more of us, you know, letting her know, like, kind of like how some people see as, like, a, like a church that you go to every Sunday as a community, that, you know, we have that, but we also have this. And I think it's important to know that you can have more than one community. You can have a community of a larger church, like if there's a certain denomination and church specifically that, you know, kind of your thoughts and views align with. But I think it's important to make sure that you have a smaller type of community um, either outside of that church or within that church. Because if you don't have either, then you're just going and um, I think, Dave, you had said it, you're just like another face. You know, like in the church, because then you feel, you know, a disconnect. So it's important that if you are a part of a, of a you know, weekly church, whether it's 100 people or whether it's, you know, 2,000 people that are at the church, you need to find, you know, something that connects you. And it can't just be the name of the denomination or the pastor who's there because they're a good speaker and they've written all these books and they've, you know, done these, you know, done all these things or whatever. You need to find, you know people in there that you can count as your community and you need to decide what you see as a community like for sacred collective we see sacred collective and i know brian and i see our close friends when we become close friends with people we see them as our family and so you need to kind of find how you define your community and find people not only with the same like-mindedness but the same people who view or could potentially view community the same way because then if not, it's almost like when you have a relationship where one person is really serious into it and the other one's like, oh, we'll just kind of see how it goes. You know, that's that's not going to work out very well if you're not, you don't have to be in the same place, but if you're not working to go towards the same place, yeah, it doesn't work out well. But I also think, too, when we deal with community, it's also healthy to disagree with one another within community. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because I've been part of other groups. I disagree. I see what you did there, Caleb. Um, no, because like sometimes, like, like with like even in a friendship, like one of our good friends, well, my best friend Scotty, who we've had on the podcast, there's been a couple times where like we've just went back to back, where like we've just been pissed off at each other, and we'll like curse each other on the phone, and it's not because we hate each other; it's because we have that such closeness and that the bond. The closer you are with someone, the more passion there is. Yeah, the that you're going to get frustrated, whether it's in a marriage context, a friendship context, 
a, a, a small group or whatever you want to call it. But and I think there's there's been times where like I think a couple of weeks ago we were doing a podcast, Caleb, and I think you and I disagreed on on something, but. And it wasn't. I didn't look at you in your disagreement and be like, "What an asshole!" I looked at you as like, "You're your own person. I'm my own person. We might disagree on something, uh-huh. but at the end, we can put water under the bridge and be like, we're still friends. Yeah. We're still close friends, but we don't always have to agree." And I think we live in a culture where we always feel like we have to be like, even in a community, we all have to be like really close and best friends. I just missed something. You should clarify that's Brian drinking. <laughs> yeah. Our child is a very loud. She's very thirsty. So so yeah. She's a very loud drinker. I actually have a question. Sacred Collective, is that the podcast or is that your community? And what do you do outside of this podcast? Because hmm. I don't know. It's a good question, David. That's, that's actually kind of under construction right now because Caleb, uh, Caleb is part of the of Sacred Collective, but he's also our producer. Um, super producer. Super producer. He produces like five podcasts. I have a nice. network. You're busy. Yeah. Podcast network. His podcast network, yes. But Sacred Collective started out as a group of people just sitting down, having a conversation, just talking, almost like a small group. And then I went to Revolution, which Jay Baker, if you know who Jay Baker is. I don't. Um, do you know who Jim and Tammy Faye Baker were from the 80s? Mm. PTL. Mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Indeed. Lord. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway. He's risen indeed. <laughs> he, he does a pub church in Minneapolis, Bryant Lake Bowl. And I so I, I've known him. I followed him from, it sounds like I'm a stalker. I followed him. Uh, no, from like his, his podcasting and stuff like that. That's where I met Caleb, told Caleb what we were doing, invited him over, and it just kind of happened organically. I hate that word, but it Best is. Best things do, though. It, it is what it is. Then he was like, hey, I have audio, you know, audio equipment. Can we record? And I was like, sure. And then I invited Josh and Angela and invited Kayleen because you guys were close to me. You know, we were all friends in seminary. Great choices. And then you invited Eric. Assembled the perfect team. Yeah. Eric came not so long after that. Like, and, And so it's like Sacred Collective, like, is, I would say, by and large, Sacred Collective is this small group or this community. However, if you do, if anybody goes on our feed, we do do interviews, and that's still part of the Sacred Collective. But we even talked about. I said doo doo. <laughs> Josh, let me know. I said doo doo. I don't even remember. He that put it on his phone doo-doo. and showed it to you. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, what is he showing? Apparently, him? I said doo doo. I don't know. We do do interviews. Oh, we do do interviews. There we go. Do comma a twelve years do. old. See, that's why we have community with Josh, because he says that I say doo-doo. I'd say primarily Sacred Collective is the podcast. Um, However, that includes uh, pre-recording, which is us eating together, drinking together. The Eucharist, come on. The Eucharist. Sure. Yeah. I I, I missed that part. I missed the pizza. and We have pizza in the kitchen. Uh So we have our little Eucharist, and we have our in Christianese, our small group, which is what you might call this. Sure. Uh, and then we also, beyond that, I would, like Brian, I think he used the term earlier, we, we have our, the Sacred Collective family. Like when I was in the hospital and you all came together to help, you know, give me some, some food to help me uh, get by when I was out of work for a while and I couldn't afford to buy groceries and stuff. So, yeah, I guess, uh, uh, I guess we're all of the above. Okay. I think a phrase that, um, 
that kind of makes me think of community and um, I don't even remember when this movie came out I think it was early 2000s but the animated movie Robots mm-hmm. I think it was called Robots if anyone saw it you're dating um, yourself I have yeah. it was a long time ago yeah um, and I mean I can't even remember the premise but if anyone wants to know just, just google mm-hmm. it but Robots and some factory about Problem. something but I just remember like the the factory of something in the movie had like a, a slogan on the building and it's always stuck with me it was see a need fill a need because they were talking about like robots and stuff like oh we see we need something that does this let's make a robot for it but I feel like when you really think of you know community you know of like thinking of that phrase just because you know kind of like Caleb like you were saying with the thing like with being in the hospital or if someone is just like hey I'm you know really stressed out at work and you know whatever and it's like well let's just hang out or you know just just they're just like little things like that but you when you have a community the thing about a smaller community is you can get to know people and you can get past those superficial needs of oh I just need you know I just need prayer or oh I really love that um you know, I really love that, you know, that hot dish that you made at the church potluck. Can you send me the recipe? Like, like just little basic things like that is when you get to know people, then you can, you can really, you can really tell people when they ask you, how are you doing? You know, is there anything that I can, you know, help you with? You seem like kind of stressed. You want a community of people where you can actually tell them what's going on and not just the whole typical no I'm no I'm fine you know thanks for asking yeah one of the things that I found really nice to you know help with that is we have technology that allows us to text our friends and I find that sometimes we don't text our friends because we think we're, we're going to bother them and maybe I am bothering my friends but I'm you know I'm, I'm sending them texts I'm like hey dude how you doing or I'll find a you know a stupid meme or something and send it to them and you know ask them a question like what's going on like even if it's not to hang out you know just to like be in touch yeah. a little bit and I feel like we're too embarrassed to do that and we should do it more often because that's like the new social media just texting between your friends group texts are great but sometimes it's good to have like a one on one conversation online because having that going is a good thing to do you know what I'm saying I've yeah. set up I've set up I, I, I decided to be intentional about that reason I, I set up like several conversations with my friends one on one online where we can just chat and keep connected because yeah. I can't see my friends all the time anymore mm-hmm. I got a kid you know right sure kids I tell you oh it's great though it is it is great but sometimes I get in the way <laughs> so do you guys have like an intent to grow so is the Sager Collective going to be a podcast community that's for you guys or is it a kind of like an idea of a you know intentional community that you want to grow in some way over time or like I don't think we know I think these are good questions Davey and I'm glad you came because Caleb and I were actually talking about that in the car because I think starting out I've always had this thing in my head because like I grew up evangelical I grew up in the summers of God and I Never really felt home there. I got kicked out of my youth group for telling kids it wasn't a sin to masturbate. That's literally, true, though. Literally, <laughs> one, literally one of the reasons I got kicked out of my youth group. Not lying. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm part love of face, a UCC Josh. tradition, United Church of Christ, which I love, and that's a like a, a family that I have. But I, I there's something. It seems like a lot. Most of the friends that I have that are dear, close friends. We've all grown up in the church in some sort of capacity, whether 
Catholic or Baptist or Pentecostal or Lutherans over it's your, there. It's your tribe. Yeah, you know? and it's our language is what we're happy with, or maybe not happy with, comfortable but well, with. comfortable with, yeah. But somehow we're all this ragtag group of people that got together and we're like, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I believe. I don't know what community is. I don't know what this is. And I wanted to make a place that we could just sit down and be like, let's just talk. Let's hang out. Let's talk. Let's have... I love beer, as people can tell. I love alcohol, as people can... They're like, Well, maybe not people can tell, but my friends can tell. And I just want to have conversations. Like I said to someone at my church the other day, I said, I'm not in the business of conversion. I'm in the business of conversation. Mm-hmm. And I really mean that. I don't care really what you believe at the end of the day. I care of like who you are. I want to have a conversation with you. I want to know how you are, Davey. I want to know how you are, Josh or Eric or, or Caleb. Like I want to know, just know who you are as a person, and I want, and I care about you, and Kayleen. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah, you up. it's okay. Um, I just like I just I care about you, and, and not just me, but I think it's the group we care. And like I even told Caleb, I said I love the group where we're at, the people who show up. But I said I want more people to, and and not I don't want to use the language like buying, but I want to I want people to come here that feel a connectedness with us Can I, and, I, and I want people to to come here where and it's like we, you know I purposely don't want to be affiliated like I'm a member of the United Church of Christ so is my wife but and a, a lot of people support me not not like Patreon wise but like support what we're doing but know that we're not affiliated with them not affiliated with the denomination but I want to make this community as open and as big as possible um, because community and our search of meaning and, and, and hope and whatever is the most important to me and I think to all of us here. Yeah. Can I play like devil's advocate? Like, So we're in a, uh, an interesting spot in St. Paul. We're in Dayton's Bluff. And True. it is uh, not the not the wealthiest location around here. My parents live up the road. They've heard gunshots. And my dad's That's gone around and met the neighbors. As of, we have to. There's some, you know, poverty issues in this area. And you say you're a ragtag group of people, but also we're all white. And that's kind of been my problem my whole life. Like, I'm, I'm always like, yeah, we're building community, and yeah, we're doing this, but it's always all white people. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know, I, I, I don't know how to challenge that thought, you know, because we do come up with like like why like why you know we all grew up with evangelical churches we have these uh, yeah. we have these stone we have these building blocks that we understand and know that make us think the way we think and see the world that we see the world and so i don't know it's 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 one of those really thin lines to tread what do you think about that Brian? are you trying to say how could we infuse other people that are just not like white European people yeah, that come well, in here, and I'm not saying there's an answer. I'm just saying, as personally, I've always struggled with this concept. Oh yeah, no, I agree too. And I mean, anybody else can jump in too. But I, I mean, I've always wanted us to expand, not just people wise, but ethnicity, uh, gender identity, all that kind of stuff. But it's just a lot of how a lot of how this has has grown is just by word of mouth by yeah. you know like Josh I think you know Eric and I have met like we've met a couple times before but we've met at Josh's one of Josh's great parties that he throws at his house 
invited you. We've met a number of times, Davey. Of course. And, and Josh. You know, and when Josh texted me and he's like, what's your address? I'm like, you know my address. Actually, but he needed he needed for me that. Yeah. But yeah. then, <laughs> then, he, then he texted and was like, Davey's coming over. I'm like, oh, great. And so, like, we're expanding and yeah, like, mo- I mean, technically we're not 100% all white because my wife's Mixed, as you know. She's, oh, good. She's half okay. mixed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, have, we, have, we have that like little quota in there. Yeah, right. Oh, oh gosh. What was that? It's terrible. I was like, should one. I bring this topic up? I apologize. Well, no, no. But, and like, you know, what you say is, and I agree with you fully, like, I don't want to be, there's so many other quote unquote groups, small groups, communities that are solely white and I don't want to necessarily be that but I don't know how, how we market I don't know how we just go out and be like hey be part of our group and we want not just white people to be part well, of our group the but thing is when you guys are looking for people who need a community yeah or want to be in a, a community a lot of people yeah. have better communities than we do and you know they're culturally entirely different mm-hmm. we just don't know anything about it because it's absolutely foreign to us in every way and who's to say that what we're doing is so much better than, you know, uh, any other cultures, groups that are doing similar things mm-hmm. that are probably way more intense than us. I mean, right? Yeah. It's, uh, so that's tough. Like, well, do we feel like we, I don't know what I I'm saying. I think it's also because culturally, like, uh, white culture is it's typically a nuclear family with no extended family. With Correct. You, yeah. Where a lot of other um, communities, like the Hmong community example in this community, have a built-in structure where it's, you know, all these different types of family members and extended families all living together. So they already have their built-in community. It's their family. Where we have... I don't know where our that evolution started, but it wasn't always that way. Yeah, that's yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm excited to see what happens next because I know that we're not going to... In the next 30 years of our lives, it's not going to look like our parents. It's going to look absolutely different. Because like, So if I go out to my buddy, Chris, uh, he's among his his pop-ups, like, it'll be a ton of his community there, but they're also all Hmong. Yeah. You know, so I'm always the only white guy there, mm-hmm. um, which is fine, because we're friends, but it's still, like, it's just, it, the cultures isolate themselves, you know, because uh, it's safe. Well, they always say, I, I've heard it numerous times, that church on Sunday mornings is the most segregated Time of the yep. time of the mm-hmm. of the week. I've heard that. Isolate and but but no, it's true though. But like it's why you hear you know it's like predominantly. I've been to predominantly African American churches. Does it, do they have a sign that says only black people allowed? No, no. Or you go to like my church is predominantly white. Do they have a sign that says only white people allowed? No. But the UCC is predominantly white unless you go to Chicago or New York where. They have these historic black churches or, you know, mixed race churches. Predominantly white and over the age of 70. (laughs) That is the UCC, but, you know, you go to UCC. Just joking, love you, UCC. I will say you go to Chicago, Otis, I think Otis Smith, it's one of the biggest black churches in the whole country, and it's a UCC church, even though the UCC is predominantly white. It's just depending, I guess, geographically and regionally where you go. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think... Demographics. Demographic, but I think what you said... Davy is important. Like we're trying to grow as a community. I think we're trying to grow people wise. I guess I don't know first and foremost, but I definitely uh, wanted to have everyone be a part who wants to feel a part of it. And it's just tough because sometimes when you look at that, 
you, you know, you want to have, you want to respect everyone where they're at, not just in our group, but everywhere else. So if someone was like, I'm black and I feel comfortable in a black church, yeah, you don't want to like poach them and, <laughs> and be like, hey, come to our yeah, community. And, and I'm not saying that you're like no, right. not no, good because I'm just, I, I like to point out things because sometimes we think that we have things figured out. Oh gosh. You know what I mean? I don't think any of us here think we have everything figured out. <laughs> Practically nothing figured out. I pride out, myself really. in the lack of things I have figured out. That's good, and I'm, I'm the same way. That's and why I, I'm mentioning it. <laughs> and, that, and I've said numerous times I'm a Christian agnostic. I believe in the stories of Jesus, but I'm agnostic because we don't know if any of it's true. Yep, I'm the same boat. And if we're truly honest with ourselves, we can't. I'm like your dad. Like, I don't really believe in hell. Someone's like, can you prove it? Nope, but you can't prove that there is one either. So Flying spaghetti call, monster, let's baby. Just, let's call it a day. <laughs> um, I think we should. We're at about an hour, so um, right, let's do recommendations. Do we, do we agree? Should we? You want to keep talking about community? I still have eh. more questions. Are we done? Is this over? And we want to do. Something I think else? we have some more good spicy prompts. there. <laughs> do what? Got a little too spicy there. We'll just we'll calm it down. Yeah. I, I think we have some more prompts. Oh, that you we haven't can... you haven't seen anything yet with our spiciness? Yeah, Excuse Jesus got... Christ. Let's do recommendations first. Ooh, I got one. Come on, Eric. Oh, no, I've got a good one. I've got a oh, great one. Go, Eric. I'm going to start. Uh, this book, this book I'm reading, it's called Recursion by Blake Crouch. He, that's a made-up name. No, yeah. I, I actually don't know if that's his real name or a pen name. Um, he wrote another book called Dark Matter, um, which I have not read yet, but I'm absolutely going to because it's his, his writing's great. Um, recursion is I hate spoilers in general books, movies, all sorts of stuff but are you going to give a spoiler? no I'm not basically this book um, starts out one of the main characters is a cop and he starts out by getting called to a jumper on like the 40th floor of a building in New York and he gets there and she's talking to him about how she feels like she's going crazy because she has she just got she just like got all of these other memories of like another life that she led mm-hmm. and they're kind of like black and white memories but they feel like her memories of like a whole life where she had like a family and another husband but it's different than the life that she feels like she remembers and it's like she doesn't know what to do and it's like then there's more and more cases of these people with what they call false memory syndrome. And it's like crazy, super cool. It kind of reads like a it it reads like you're watching kind of like a film noir movie. Like it got that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um it's set in present day. What's the name of it? You said it's a book? Recursion. Yeah. Recursion. Yeah. It's really cool. And it's got so it's kind of it's kind of got like a sci-fi element. But it's not like it doesn't feel like sci-fi. You like sci-fi, don't you? I love sci-fi. I mean, I guess it's sci-fi in the fact that there's like, if you define sci-fi as like a fictional story that has some sort of scientific component that is different than our current reality. So in that sense, I love that. Sh- I love that stuff. Yeah. By the way, I almost said the S word. Do you guys swear on this? Yeah. We don't. Oh, fucking, yeah. We don't. Okay. 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 I, I wasn't sure if, if someone said any swear words. Yes. Like that. Yeah. You can. Um, totally. Did okay. we go this far without? I don't. I, I, there honestly, was. I think so. There was. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I swore at least three. Did you? Holy okay. shit. But uh, maybe that was just like it's okay if Joshua does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Joshua's going to do whatever he wants. So, uh, so my, <laughs> my review of this podcast I've been listening to a lot called The Secret History of Western Esotericism. Oh, yeah. Um, I got a lot of information from an episode that's going to be a bonus episode. Hey! Um, <laughs> Homo bonus episode. What do you recommend? Uh, the Secret History of Western Esotericism. It's Whoa. super interesting. Is this a book uh, or a podcast? Podcast. I'm going to get it right um, now. The Secret History of Western Esotericism podcast. And it's it such a fascinating. Lots of and the, the host is just on point, and he goes basically through the entire history of Western Esotericism. And it's it's fascinating. The stuff that I wish I would have learned in seminary. So, just really, because of the esoteric part of the church was basically the part of the church that got gutted the fir- at first, you know. So I think we talked about it before, um, like exo, ex, like exo, is the like the, the bones, the structure, and esotericism is the inside, the thinking, the thought, the mysticism. The, I got soul, and I'm super bad. Yep, yep. The super interesting parts, the the nooks and crannies that you're like that is really really fascinating. Like the sort of questions you ask, like, well, why would you feed the hungry if you're not going to get a reward? And you'd be like, well, this is why. Oh, I'm excited. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it, to it tomorrow at work. I have too many damn podcasts to listen to. No, wait, he did a podcast. You got you can't do a podcast. Because I'm not going to do a podcast. I, don't, I sometimes do podcasts. No, uh, at least one that I'm going to recommend is the band called Holy Fawn. Oh, yeah, I got that now. Um, no, this band called Holy Fawn, they were on tour with Thrice, Me Without You. Um... They were the most surprising, exciting band that I've seen in a long time. And I'm I'm someone who likes harder music like punk, hardcore. Um, Any song recommendations from them? Yeah, well, their new... Davey put this here, and I agree. Their, their last um, full-length came out in 2019, so last year, called Death Spells. Um, pretty much every song on there is awesome. I'm excited. It's hard to describe. They're they're not one style of music. They're shoegazy. It, um, like if you know the band Starflyer '59, they're uh, Starflyer's like shoegazy, shoegazy kind of. Um, you throw all these things out. I have no idea what you're talking uh, about. Most of the time. Kind that's of okay. ambient, ambient <laughs> music. If you know what ambient okay. music is. Um, okay. And then then they get like really dark with like heavy guitar riffs and metal. Uh, maybe I can have people listen to it after we are done recording. They're just... They make you feel happy. Um, the other... I'm going to recommend a podcast that I don't... Fine. Don't at me, Davey. Fine. Um, is the podcast You Have Permission by Daniel uh, Koch. Daily list. That would be cool. And we're oh, actually... Cool. We're <laughs> actually... Me and Caleb and whoever else in this ragtag group of Sacred Collects people want to help interview them. We're going to set up a time, but he uh, grew up evangelical like a lot of us, and we're going to do a deep dive into end times anxiety because he did, actually for his dissertation, for his doctorate of psychology, he interviewed a, a lot of people on his podcast for his dissertation on the psychological background and like kind of trauma that it deals with because he's going to be a therapist. I think that's fascinating because I literally grew up scared shitless that every time I masturbated (laughs) that I thought God was going to leave me behind or I came home from school and my parents weren't there. I thought the end times happened. (laughs) I had to happen today. (laughs) Even today. Even Dave is dealing with it today. So um, 
not just that that those string of four episodes, but his whole podcast is really good. Um, he's based out of Seattle, so really listen and support. You have permission, um, and what Dan, Daniel Cook is doing is uh, really good stuff. Okay, so I'm gonna do a video game. Is that something you guys? Ooh, is that sure. okay? You can yeah. recommend anything That's you want. All right. So it's a really short game. Um, full playtime is about five hours, and I recommend it because it is the most artistic game I've ever played, and it is also the most beautiful game I've ever played, and it also has one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard for a game, and they combine them all together into a platformer that is beautiful, and the music lines up to all these massively cool art things that are happening on the screen that you're kind of controlling a character through. It's really hard to explain how good this is. Like I, you have to kind of experience it yourself. So I recommend looking up Gris G R I S on iTunes and listening to the soundtrack. If the soundtrack just the first two songs, like you like the first two songs, play the game because not only is the game beautiful, it has an amazing message about death and grief and how you overcome it. Mm. And cool. there's no words at all. It just goes through this girl experiencing all the emotions of. Um, Loss, you know, like anger, grief, and everything, and they're represented in colors throughout the game. So the world starts off gray, and as you go through each stage of loss, you unlock more colors to the world and deal with different demons which manifest in shadows cool. and chase you around um, in watercolor paint backgrounds, by the way. With inc- it's just incredible. Cool. Like, look up GRIS images and just online, if you look at the images alone, you'll be convinced that this game is worth playing. So that's my recommendation. That sounds fascinating. Uh, I'm going to do another self-plug. Uh, the most recent podcast I'm involved in is called Loose in the Bible Belt. Jay Baker, Kristen Becker. Uh, we just did an interview that I think is going to be... Uh, Phenomenal. Yeah, I think it's going to be historic, honestly, because 35 years ago, Tammy Faye Baker, famed televangelist, interviewed um, and out gay pastor with AIDS named Steve Peters who um, it, it was kind of a it kind of broke the mold as far as a, you know a mainstream evangelical uh, TV interview with uh, a, a pastor with AIDS and then 35 years later uh, I, we recorded this episode for Loose in the Bible Belt where Jay got to interview the same uh, pastor and we just released as of us recording this podcast it was just released and so surely by the time you're hearing this it is out and so yeah just check out Loosen the Bible Belt podcast um, I think it's going places and I think I, th- I think anybody could get quite a bit out of it no matter what what part of the uh, spiritual or political spectrum you find yourself on I concur Kaylin, do you have anything? I, my head hurts, so no. <laughs> I know, I know. You can say friends. You always recommend I know, friends. I can always say friends. Or Jane the Virgin. Or no, Jane, Jane the Virgin. Whatever. But or I could just say recommend we, migraine medication. That are we also, good? Oh, that's okay. a good thing. So are we good? Till next time. Till next time. Is that how you sign off? Yeah. Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at Sacred MN. If you enjoyed this show, you might also like Loosen the Bible Belt with Kristen Becker and myself, Jay Baker. I think the key point is this is 
the established white patriarchy has been existing for like forever, centuries, right? And so we've had since 2016. So yeah, we're still a little fucking pissed, right? Like we're still like this idea of like, and I think this happens a lot. Like I hear this, no offense, Jay, but a lot of white straight guys who are like, oh, we're not all that bad. We're like, no, um, but you do have to shut up for a minute because we have listened literally forever to what you're saying. And, and, and what's happening right now, I think, is the obvious pendulum. Those other minorities, uh, people of color, trans, binary, everybody on the other spectrum that wasn't the, the straight white walk are definitely pushing back. But I do think that it will even out. But like we are still like we're just beginning this awareness and there's only a small chunk of us that have it. That was a 